0: I want to ask you um, you know coming up in that Philly music scene I mean gosh uh, what an incredible fertile ground for music especially you know soul R&B funk and jazz um, incredible so what was it like um, being in that environment um, you know I've only been to Philadelphia a few times just usually for a short term and I haven't really explored the music scene there tell us Tell me, tell the viewers what Philly is all about, especially from back in the seventies.
1: Well, one thing Philadelphia is known for is great bass players. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, from uh, um, you know Stanley Clark to uh, Charles Fambro to you know uh, Alfonso Johnson. Just, there's just so many great bass players out of, out of Philly, and it was um, Philadelphia International records um, you know created that sound of philadelphia um that really uh, uh touched the world you know uh, kenny Gamble and leon huff um and, and i was i was fortunate actually at, right after breakwater we did we finished our first album when we came home to uh, you know wait for the record to be released i was uh i, I was approached by uh this is a great drummer Pete Rudd and uh, Herb Smith, and they asked me what I would I go out on, on on the road to do a few gigs with Dexter Wanzell, who's a producer and artist from Philly and National, and. So I did go. I, I went out on the road with Dexter and and those cats, and we had a ball, man. They, I learned so much from them, you know. Because you know, as as Greg mentioned, you know, I I come from a, like a jazz fusion background more so, you know. Um, and I you know I try to play as many try to play as many notes as I can, you know. I was uh, up and down at the, the, the neck, was you know where I was. But when I went out on the road with with, uh, with uh, Pete and and her and started working with Dexter Wanzel. Dexter, they really taught me how to pocket, where the pocket is. Pete Rudd is just like the most, he's like Buddy Miles, like the funk drummer. His groove is so powerful. And and it taught me how to relax in the pocket and respect the one, the one. The most important thing, it's the most important lesson I ever learned, respect the one because the pocket is in the one, man, you know? And I was, I was so fortunate that that happened at that time because I was kind of struggling with some of the music of Breakwater in terms of, you know, to, to play it in, you know, the way that I had learned eventually how to play once I went on the road with these guys, you know? So I actually started, Dexter was a producer um, at Philly International and a writer, wrote some great songs and produced songs. Um, And he started calling me for recording sessions. And, um, you know, working with Dexter, man, we recorded like, um, actually, well, on his album, we wrote a song together on on Dexter's album, which was actually kind of a fusion (laughs) rhythm and blues song. um, But then uh, played on uh, uh, the uh, Jones Girls, Nights over Egypt. You know that song.
0: I know the yep. group. I can't think of the song.
1: Yeah. Yep. So you know, I played played on that when I played. You know, did sessions with Patti LaBelle, with Phyllis Hyman, with the Stylistics, and all all of these different groups with Teddy. Um, you know, we just I just started recording. Then I eventually, after Breakwater, we kind of split. I don't know if I'm moving too fast, but. I actually started, I became a studio musician at Philly International. And that's what I, that's how I made my living for a while until I went out on the road with Lou Rawls. But to get back to your original question about the Philly music scene, there are so many great musicians in Philly. It's unbelievable. It's something, it's like, it's like, you ever have a cheesecake, man? Scott? You ever have what? A cheesecake? Oh, of course. Okay, well. You know, there, there's a groove like a cheesesteak in Philadelphia. You can only get it in Philly, man, you know. <laughs> and uh there, there, there's just some great cats here, man. And growing up, when, 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 when we were coming up, when I first joined Breakwater, that was during the band era. Every neighborhood in Philadelphia had a band, or at, at least one band. And that neighborhood actually supported the band. The band, the band would rehearse, and they, the folks from the neighborhood would be hanging around outside, listening to the band, and come out and support the band. And so that was a it was a great learning experience for so many musicians, because cats would just practice to practice. It wasn't about we're practicing because we have a gig. It was about we're practicing because we love this music. We're gonna play eight hours today and practice until we get this group right, or until we get these vocals right. And we're just going to keep at it and keep at it. And, you know, it really created an, a, an atmosphere and a, uh, um, a school for, for musicians to really hone and learn their craft here in Philly. And I'm so glad that I'm part of that. And still am a part of it. It's, it's, a, it's a great place for music. Philadelphia, unfortunately, does eat its young. <laughs> so, I mean, if you stay in Philadelphia too long, you could kind of be sucked into the uh, peripheral of things, you know. Uh, but there, the, the the few who get out to 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 showcase are just that, but a few of many, because there are a lot of unsung musicians in Philadelphia that are just absolutely phenomenal. It was a guitar player um, who he passed a couple weeks ago, and I used to play uh, in a band with, that Greg and I uh, were in. His name was Jeff Lee Johnson. You, do you, you ever oh, hear Oh, yeah, of
0: yeah, Jeff Lee, yeah.
1: Yeah. He's a mean, tremendous you
0: know,
1: talent. Tremendous. And that's, I'm, that, that level of musicianship is something that you would find on Cats in Philly that nobody else is nobody really knows. But there are musicians like that who are just... You know, so unique and so phenomenal. Um, some make it, and some don't. But to in this in this environment, it's a great, great, great learning experience. Uh,
0: so I, I want to uh, get back to um, the breakwater itself. Um, so the group was formed in the early seventies, but you didn't get the Arista deal until uh, seventy eight is when that came out. Um, what what took place that got the band a record deal you know how did that come to be
2: well i think i can shed a little light on that um we we started making a demo tape with a couple of our early songs um the uh, and there was a, was a friend of ours from um from germantown uh mark help me here steve Bernie. what's that Mark. Mark Burnett, right. And he was, um, everybody, everybody, you know, I was a little older, but uh, most of the guys were right around, you know, out of high school, kind of college age. Mark was a great, great friend of the band and just had a great kind of personality that would like, you know, make a great salesman. So, so he, he went to, he went to, he went to college on the West coast and, um, and he kept bugging me. He said, "Greg, send me some, send me some cassettes, right? Which cassette era, right? Uh, of what we were doing." And um, we we had contacted a couple of different people. Somebody I knew around town who had been involved with with Good God, and they had actually shown it to Arista, and Arista had passed on it, and um, and then you know Mark just. Mark did it the hard way. He went to every A and R office on, in, in in L.A. and just started like saying, "Hey, you got to hear this great band from Philly, Blase Blase." And he finally got Quincy Jones' manager—I forget his name—but
1: interested in the band. And, and um, well, and- what 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 happened was he he actually the first person he gave the tape to was Ray Charles' son. I didn't and know. That. Ray- Yep, and Ray Charles gave the the uh, our our demo to Billy Eckstein's son, Ed Eckstein. Okay. Mm-hmm. And right. Ed Eckstein was Quincy's um, he 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 um, was ran Quincy's um, production company. Okay. Quest, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. So that's how Quincy got got to us through um, Ray Charles's son through Ed Eckstein and then Quincy, and then Quincy um, was really interested in the band, he had, we had sent the, um, the, the Brothers Johnson, they came to town and we were ready to move, we were all moved to California. Um, I was excited about that. I think we were all excited about that. But once they got out in the industry that Quincy was interested in the band, that's when we started getting all of these offers from other companies who actually had, some of them had actually passed before. Like Arreston, like Greg said. Right. Uh, and we kind of did, uh, you know, and, and also Cl- – so that was Clive Davis. Clive Davis signed us, So we wound up going with Irish to signing with Clive Davis. Um, Dude, actually, was- one of the issues,
2: to be honest, was for some guys, for me, I didn't care, Steve didn't care. We would have been happy to go to the West Coast, but there were some guys – with families and responsibilities, we're relocating to the West Coast, and that was part of the that was part of the of the Quincy the Quincy deal was we would have had to go to L.A. and you know guys with families and kids, um, it would have been a big thing. And then you know Clive gave us our choice of producers, and um, and and we we could stay here, which was which. It, it somewhat was somewhat honestly practical. I mean, we all would have loved to work with Quincy. I knew Quincy's work from, like I said, back in the, you know, when he was writing big band charts for Basie and uh, in, and Ray Charles. And I had all the mutual respect for him in the world. It just sounded exciting. As a matter of fact, Quincy made a, a group call to the band at one point at our rehearsal place, and uh, Quincy said, uh, "Who did the horn charts?" And I went. Uh, uh, oh, 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 I did, right? And Quincy goes, "Nice." And I went, "Wow, Quincy Jones like my horn charts." Ooh, too cool. <laughs> by By the way, I just want to throw one thing into the uh, when you're talking about bands and Philly bands, is they were uh, before I forget they they were there was a bunch of Philly bands, you know, when we were we were coming up, um, and they used to have battles of the bands all the time in Philly. Yeah. And it was like a big deal. I mean, like people would come out, you know, three, four bands and uh, some of those other bands. Uh, uh, Sundown was one um, uh, in uh, some musicians in that was like uh, the, um, um, oh, um, the Eubanks. Robin Eubanks was in that, the brother of, uh, of you know, Jay yeah, Kevin
1: was. Yeah, Kevin was also in Sundown.
2: Was he? Was he in Sundown too? And yep. uh, who else was in it was I mean, there
1: was Billy, like, John- Billy Johnson went, went on right, to play
2: with right. It a great there was a great band. And we used to, I mean, those battles of the bands were a thing. So the thing is that about Breakwater, that one of the reasons I think that people have so much affection for Breakwater. And I see this all the time when we go to a gig now is that is that of all those local bands, Breakwater was the one that's kind of still around. That we we stuck it through we we wrote our own music we got the deals we you know got the deal we did through a couple of albums there there's a certain amount of you know those are my guys you know those are my boys I love those guys right because we came from Germantown high school and, and there were people who knew us well not me but who knew the band in Germantown high school and it's it really has a nice, uh, there's a nice, really nice community connection because there's a direct line from that band in high school to the band that's still that's still playing now, and I don't think you know. I mean, my, as good as the stuff that came out of Philly Sound, you know, out of Philly International was. It wasn't. It didn't have that neighborhood band thing to it, that that people really loved about us. I when we um, when we first got back together, we did a. Our very first gig was in Vernon Park, which is in Germantown, which is like from where, you know, like right across the street from the old Germantown High School. And we came back, you know, we played our set, sounded good, everybody went great. And I'm walking out of the park and a guy start, says, This guy says, Man, when you guys broke up, we were really mad at you. And I'm like, Damn, that's really interesting. It's like they felt as a neighborhood, Personally invested in Breakwater, and and that's a very cool thing. I I love that. That's great. So I just wanted to toss that in. This is like so. Neighbor Breakwater was a neighborhood band, and still has uh, a bunch of the original people from Germantown High School, and uh, it's just something cool about that.
0: That is very cool. You know, um, I definitely want to get deeper into these two records that you guys did do uh the fans are definitely going to want to uh, uh, talk more about these so the first record in 1978 is called breakwater um had a few singles off it how did you feel about how that record turned out versus what you had envisioned for it and did you hope for maybe more national um exposure than you got or how did you feel about know how things worked out with that first record um let's go with um we just heard from greg let's go with steve first
1: uh yeah um overall we were were excited you know know, hey we was our first album and we got a chance to record it and um opened up a bunch of doors kind of changed our lives um you know in terms of uh you know our popularity I think we might have been a little discouraged that the, the sound of the band live didn't, it was, it was uh, how can I say, it? and, and it, I mean, and this happens in studios, you know, particularly when you work with producers and they start producing. Um, the sound of the band live, I think, didn't, was not fully captured, but what was captured was great. Um, good music. It's good music. Hey, Greg wrote this song called uh, "You know I Love You." It's a ballad. It's still one of my favorite songs. <laughs> you know, I, I I love that song. Um, I think it was one of the, one of the best songs on that album. Um, work it out, do it to the floor, gets hot on that album. What a great songs! There was a couple songs that um, Clive Davis had had suggested that we record from other writers um and you know so we did we never played those songs live but we recorded them um well no no limit uh, was one
2: of the suggestions right? oh
1: yeah no, that's true that's true yeah no limit we That's was a, cool.
2: there's
1: another one we have never played live <laughs> right right that's not here for it's called yeah but yeah, that, it was it was it was great, man. You know, you hear your music on the on the uh, on on the radio. Uh, I remember the first time I heard um, heard heard, heard uh, Breakwater on the radio. I was actually in Pittsburgh. I was I was doing a gig with uh, with Dexter, and a record came out, and I was I was uh, like in in a hotel room, like in a party after the gig, and somebody had the radio on, and they played uh, Work It Out. And I was like just Breakwater. <laughs> you know, so I mean that's that, that's exciting. Um, you know, we did um, your
2: first record. A quick footnote on a quick no, a footnote on uh, "Work It Out." Uh, we went to um, we went to England in um, UK in January of 2017, and uh, "Work It Out" was one of the songs that we were required to play. Yeah, uh, that was there. You know, people love that song over there. It was just like, you know, it's which was wild after thirty-five years. I mean, like they had they had had a hit on that song after the band broke up in in, in the UK in about eighty-six or eighty-seven. Um, we didn't even know about it because we were already broken up, and uh, uh, so that was a, that's a whole interesting story in itself because um, there was this whole audience. Uh, there's an audience for us over there that we did not know existed. Um, it's 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 interesting and kind of kind of cool, actually very cool. But you know, you go somewhere after 35 years and uh, and and there's uh, there's like uh, five or six hundred people there just just waiting to see you. So it was that was wild.
0: But you recorded this record uh, in New York, is that correct?
2: Yeah, and Philly. Yeah. And Philly.
0: So yeah. How would you describe, how would you guys describe the chemistry of the group as you were, you know, recording?
2: Well, it, it was a new process for us um, and not what we were used to. And I think a lot slower than we thought it would be. Um, somewhat a function of how the producer worked. Um, and... Uh, it, it, was a, it was a serious learning process in terms of, um, uh, you know, of adapting to that. And uh, the, we, I, I mean, you know, the result speaks for itself, but the process was, I think, took a lot longer than we thought it would. Um, and uh, we weren't, we weren't used to that. I, let, me, let me just
1: leave it at that. So uh, it was, it was the first time for a lot of us being just being in the studio. Yeah, you know, except studio. for the demo. Yeah. So you know, it was it was a learning experience as well. Yeah, yeah. But but in terms in ter- yeah, and you, in, your your second question in terms of the the uh, popularity of the uh, of the uh, first album, all both of our albums, really. Yeah, we had, you know, we had hoped that it would do more than it did. Um, you know, it made some noise and, and we, we, did, we did some, some, some tour, tour and we, we toured with um, Gino Vannelli. did a few days with him, but we didn't have a long, long extended tour for, for, for that album. Um, and, um, you know, we had hoped that, 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 that it, it would do more, but it, would, but it was doing more than we had before, so it was still an exciting time for us.
0: Well, you, do you know how I discovered the group was, you know, I was born and raised in Los Angeles and um, not a lot of airplay for Brickwater in Los Angeles. But I was one of those guys that was constantly in the record stores, always going through the bins. And uh, so I discovered you guys that way, you know. Okay. little bit. Yeah. Um, how did you guys come up with, like, the concept, you know, with the the, 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 the picture with the water and the girl? and uh, was that handled exterior to the group, or yeah,
2: that, that, that that was pretty much Arista? That came from their art department. And uh, yeah.
1: you know, that, uh, uh, what's his name? Gary Gary Gross, the uh, photographer. He's well known for uh, Brooke Shields' photos when she was a little girl. You know, mm-hmm. those kind of racy photos. Yeah, he shot. He he actually shot both Breakwater albums. Gary Gross. He's a uh, he's great great photographer. It was a lot of fun doing that. In fact, uh, that album cover, <laughs> that album cover just like really, you know, our, our, our promo t shirts now are that album cover because those sexy lips with that water coming through people, people really remember that. And I can't remember who the model was, but she she was uh she was fine. <laughs> we 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 never met her. I didn't anyway.
0: She she was thirsty.
2: <laughs> she was thirsty, man. <laughs> thirsty for the
0: fucking RB. R&B. Breakwater. So the, the the back
2: the back is also that's a great picture on the back of that that album. That was uh, yeah we were all we we're all standing there uh, in the studio, and uh, they they had to put me in the back because I reflect a different amount of light than everybody else. <laughs> and, um, so they, I had my own special uh, special lighting so that we all kind of looked about the same. Uh, which is just just real. It's it's fine, you know. But it's a great picture. Um, somebody told a joke, and we're all like, you know, like cracking up. And that's the one they kept, which was a great picture. That pretty much that that was break order, pretty much about right. I had heard a rumor that Prince had a copy of that picture on his wall. I don't know if that's
1: true, but well, uh, no, it, it, that's that's the truth. When I, the first time that I um, saw Prince. Um, went to a concert he was he was here at uh, um, Emerald City and I was backstage after after the show and he came up to me and he said you know you look familiar and I said you know I, someone had introduced us you know and I said uh, you know I've I never you know we, I, I've never met you you know I love your music never met you he said you really look familiar and then he said you know you're in a band right he says, I think my girlfriend has a picture, your band's poster, on her wall. <laughs> I was like, wow, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. Well, 78, I think that was the year he had his debut. So it is right around that era. Yeah,
2: yeah. no, 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 no. We, uh, you know, I was I was, always, I was, always a big Prince fan. I was thought, uh, I, you know, it was, it, it was, the albums that couldn't be played on the air were, were – were really great. Usually, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I, I had no problems with the lyrics, but a lot of people did. But Yeah. Uh, that was nice. But there, yeah, so that was all. Um, that was right out of that. Uh, we were actually, I first heard that record, I was, we were doing a gig with Breakwater in upstate New York
1: someplace. Where was that, Steve? Oh, was that Barnacott? Bar- bar- car- Where bar- was it? What's the, what's, the, what's the school there, that Steely Dan? that uh, yeah,
2: right, 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 right. Uh,
1: Bayard, but
2: never going up? back to Avondale. Um, yeah,
1: Bard. Bard College, yes.
2: Bard College. Breakwater. Right. Breakwater played at Bard College. <laughs> and uh, I, we were in a hotel room somewhere, and I, and and the Prince came on. At like that's where I first. That's the first time I heard. Uh, you know uh, that uh, I was what was the one song of that record they could play. Which well, which record are you talking? The the one with was it Dirty
1: Mind?
0: Dirty Mind,
2: yeah. Well, no, that
1: was more Dirty Mind. I think it was like the first one, Soft and Wet, that album and all.
0: Well, that was the first one, Soft and Wet, and the second one was uh, with Sexy Dancer and I Want to Be Your Lover. A little, yeah. And then the third was- one was Dirty Mind with Head and all that kind of stuff on. It.
1: Right.
2: Right. 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 I mean, and that's the one that they couldn't play half of it on the radio. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, but uh, it was all good if you, you just listen to it, but I, I just, uh, yeah.
0: I want to talk about some of the specific songs on this record, that first one, because you know, being the funketeer that I am, I especially really love uh, Fill Your Way. Um, just a, a great funky, mostly instrumental. I love the synthesizer parts in it, the guitar parts, the horns, electric piano, really cool track. Um you have any memories about creating that one specifically?
1: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Steve. In fact, I was listening to the uh, the demo from that not long ago, the original original demo. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it was hey, uh, it you was have, a have that demo. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll send it to you. Yeah, really, I'd I'd love to hear it. A couple songs, but yeah, that that actually that actually was a, uh, a it had vocals. You know, it had it had uh, um, verse and then the hook. when we recorded it on the album, it, it only has the hook. But there were there's a verse to it. And actually, when we perform it now, we we sing we sing the uh, the verse. So it's really really killing. But probably we, we may even re-release it with the you know yeah, movie we, we project. Actually, we verse.
2: actually we actually re-record. I always liked the verses. I thought the verses were great. I wasn't sure why the producer took them out. I didn't agree with that choice, but um, right. uh, they are. Uh, let's see. Do Do you want to hear what they are? <laughs> I can. That well, it's like. There's a place where we all get together. Love, peace, happiness. No, come on. What am I yep. mis- What am I? I'm doing this in the wrong. Place.
1: Free as a breeze. Free as Fresh
2: breeze. air. Fresh air. People everywhere, doing their thing together, in, in our world, world of music.
1: <laughs> That's it. A
2: perfect choice for your mind, right?
1: Perfect for your mind. Yeah.
2: Every time we we start out, we basically start out the set with that song, and it's just a perfect song for like starting a set with "Breakwater." Feel your way into our world of music, and I love the, ver- the I love the verses. Do, do, the song's better with the verses, quite frankly. Um, but that's you know you get producers' choices; they make those things. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the idea was there, but I I always like the verses. Uh, and yeah. We we may well we have re-recorded the rhythm track. It's a great track. We we may just put it out with the verses. Go uh, for it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. A, it's a great track.
0: Yeah, the, the, the breezy sort of jazzy funk flow of it, to yeah. me, uh, reminded me a little bit of like a Blackbirds kind of thing, you know? Blackbirds mm-hmm. also with a big uh, jazz foundation. Um, yeah. I don't know how you feel about that, but. Um,
1: yeah, the Blackbirds, we were we we, yeah, we kind of cut from the same cloth in that same time, Donald Bird and, and those cats, man. You know, musicians that are musical that, you know, are playing rhythm and blues. Um, Attempting to play rhythm and blues (laughs) Uh, You know what, uh, but Scott We we can't talk about Breakwater anymore Without mentioning um, K. Williams Jr. Our keyboard I mean, K. was the He was the fire in the band He was uh, the main writer in the band Um, He was probably one of the hardest Working guests I ever met Always just like Working, 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 working And the keyboards and the songs That he came up with Just phenomenal um a real, real powerhouse and, and a real uh, um uh, pushing force in breakwater, you know, to to make things happen. Kay unfortunately passed um, I guess about maybe eight years ago, Craig. And six, actually eight, that was, it was nine the, it was it nine years ago? Yeah, basically. We all uh, got together at, at Kay's funeral after the band being separated, broken up for like 30 years, catch everybody's doing different stuff. We got together at K's funeral and said, you know, let's get together for like a, you know, a cookout or something. And that turned into a jam session, which turned into a rehearsal, which turned into a reunion concert, which turned into, hey, the band's back. Let's get the band back together, man. Hey, Blues Brothers, you know, the band. So, yeah, but, you know, God bless slide on that at, on that Let's get
2: together and jam. It was like we were in Jimmy uh, Jimmy Jones' basement, in, um, um, and Steve and Steve and Jimmy Jones started to play, and I went, "Oh, this is going to work." <laughs> it was like, "Oh, it's still there. Ain't no question, it's still there." Um, and that was
0: what year? Was that what
2: year was that? 2009. Year was that? That's two thousand nine. Yeah. How how long
0: had it been since you had
1: played together?
2: Well we at about what late eighty one early eighty two something like that
1: eighty one so, yeah yes yeah. so
2: that's you do the math um twenty nine years wow yeah yep yeah, something like that now let me let me let me give you one you asked about Filiway, way and i remember, you know like we had kind of made the commitment to be an original band. We're going to do this. We're just we're going to do it. You know, we still plan all our gigs. We plan our cabarets. We are playing our clubs. And the thing is, one of the things when you become an original, when you're a cover, when you're a cover band, you're sort of like piggybacking on the identity of the music that you're playing. So people know you as a great band, but they the songs they know are really songs that are on the radio or in the case of Breakwater, sometimes not. But, um, but so when you're starting to do this, you make the commitment to it is what songs are going to express breakwater identity? And you kind of, it's kind of, you know it when you feel it. You know it when you hear it. And I remember we were, we were in the rehearsal down on the, in, the, in the basement on North 18th Street and uh, Kay brought Feel Your Way In and I went, oh yeah this is this is a breakwater song you know it's just like that feels like us right that feels like what we what our identity is is right it just felt right and said okay step one good good song let's this is this is us we're we got this right we're gonna do this so um yeah yeah it was, it was one of the songs on the original demo too
0: interesting also on that record um free yourself the last track I felt like a uh, sly stone kind of Graham central station kind of vibe on that really slower and funky um, in some ways, I think that that Song and and, and fill your way really um, Gave insight into the direction that the second record would go um, Which was funkier than the first record do you, how, how do you guys feel about that assessment?
2: Well, Free uh, Yourself is, is, who wrote that, Steve? Kay, Kay wrote that. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, we don't play that now. It's, it just hasn't been one of the ones, you know, sort of like you find out what songs you're going to play by, what songs you play, right? You know, nowadays, right? It hasn't been one of the ones that has really stuck with us um feel your way absolutely totally um we still play unnecessary business uh we look forward to it um steve has a bass feature in it which always kills um we still play um from the first album um uh we still play you know i love you every time every time we play we still play uh work it out uh, we still play No Limit, but we, we actually don't play for yourself much live anymore. It just, it, I don't know, it just kind of didn't resonate the way some of the others did. I can't explain it, really. You know, I like the song. I just didn't, it just didn't stick. I don't know how to explain it. didn't, to didn't it. stick. Yeah. yeah. It just kind
0: of. Um, well, it definitely doesn't have quite the jazzy side of it that a lot of your work does. Um, more of a really slowed down kind of grief. Track,
1: yeah. Um, also, uh, from that album, is so do it do it through the fluid gets hot. Oh, yeah, that's
2: it's yeah, that's, that album, that's always yeah. one of our
1: last songs, yeah, because that they love that one. That's uh, yeah, that's
0: I, I love the way the synth drives that beat of that that groove,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. kills it, man, yeah.